Hello, welcome to the Will to DIY. This podcast is a place for me to sandbox ideas, play with them, tinker with them, build on them, or perhaps just throw them away and get back to work. Hey, y'all, welcome back. Um, Gonna be a kind of bumpy episode today, but that's all right. Uh, What I really wanted to do is rebound on this idea of faux education or edutainment, uh, educating through video or something like this. And tie it back to the active life and the contemplative life that we discussed a little bit earlier with Hannah Arendt. So a really good example of this came out the other day, this Hidden Brain NPR episode called Close Enough Living Through Others. And it talks about a guy who watches all these videos uh, of people building things, even though he has a shop that's right next to him. Uh, it's right outside. He's got all these tools. He's got everything he needs to build something. Instead, he'll watch videos of other people building things for hours. Apparently, like as a species, we gain confidence through watching masterful people do masterful things. Uh, And then at some point, we tend to mistake that we have this knowledge and that that should translate into actual skills for us in the real world. So if you watch somebody build something, you feel satisfied that maybe you know more and so possibly you have more skills in this area. But what also happens is you can watch somebody else fall in love on TV and you can feel a small sense of satisfaction or an emotion similar to doing it yourself. What happens is this becomes kind of enough for some people. And so if you were to kind of put a number on it, let's say that uh, you got 30 to 40% of the satisfaction of being in love by watching somebody else fall in love uh, and there's no risk to yourself at all, Versus you going out and taking all the risk on yourself and you have this very small percent chance to get 100% satisfaction, but you have all this chance of possible failure and dreams being crushed and heartbroken. I think the math is really enough for a lot of people just to say, I'm just going to remain an observer. This is just a better math equation for me. What becomes unfortunate about all this, all this observation rather than doing is that while you're observing, you're actually losing the time to practice the skills or develop these skills that would help you be more competent in the real world. So it's weird to think that your rich fantasy life of some sort of competence or mastery is the exact thing that's keeping you away from participating in the real world with any kind of mastery. What ends up happening is our actual dream becomes to daydream. So we just get to live vicariously now through others. And I think what becomes disturbing about this, at least for me, is if you're reliant on the production and imagination of others for your dreams, then I think you're giving up on Hannah Arendt's highest form of action. Uh, Because how are you going to be unique if you've been spoon-fed even your dreams, right? I think you have to get out and have some risk to bump into unique situations to develop a character that actually is unique so that you can achieve this highest form of action by Hannah Arendt. But this gets back to maybe a larger set of problems, and maybe the larger problem in general is that the life contemplative is now busy watching the life active instead of actually living the life active. So this is sports, uh, a multi-billion dollar industry of observers mostly. And even when watching some sort of tutorial like a Bob Ross painting show, then it's very soothing and he makes it so easy and you think you can do it uh, and like he's telling you exactly how to do everything and we really value his skill and we value his activity, yet we're not going to participate. We're just going to sit on the couch. 
And Boris Groy is this uh, philosopher that I really like. He sort of talks about this. He talks about this problem of the active life and the contemplative life and how they're uh, contradictory with each other. He even sort of pulls this term from Wittgenstein that this, I, the, the passive contemplation of present life is really a metaphysical sickness that we have. One way to kind of think about this is early on when movies began to replace static images well, then everything was about movement all of a sudden. You had these fixed images, and now all of a sudden you have moving images. And there's this sort of parody where you think movies are actually about movement and action. But what film really does is it champions passivity and isolation. Because you just sit on your ass and you watch a screen by yourself, mostly. You're not talking during this moment. So this isn't about community, and it isn't about action. Uh, the thing is, you feel active by immersing yourself into, say, a James Bond movie, right? His action becomes your action, and his success becomes your success, and his close calls, you know, he escapes them, and you're like, you get this sense of relief within yourself. You align yourself with this character and this narrative, but really, at the end of the day, your greatest action is maybe spending a little bit of money, eating some popcorn, and maybe a really hollow gesture of clapping at the end of a show to a blank screen. So anyway, the long, drawn-out point of all this is that our time has moved from activity to activity worship. Uh, really, it's spectatorship now. And even our contemplation, Groys would say, has become a repetitive gesture that doesn't even lead anywhere because maybe we're not contemplating the right thing or putting them into action in the, in the long term. So this is a sort of bizarre example to prove the point in real life for myself. I was at this belly dance event with my wife and we're sitting at this table and we struck up this conversation with these two girls across from us and we're asking them about their hobbies and what they did and what they're, you know, I was like, well, what do your husbands do? And we didn't talk about their jobs because as we mentioned, that's boring. Uh, but they actually said, you know, in their free time, drifting. And I was like, what? You mean like Tokyo drifting? And they were like, yeah. And so, you know, I'm totally blown away. All these questions start pouring out of me. And I'm like, well, how often do they do it? Uh, do they go to a track, to an airfield? Do they hey, have custom cars? How much do their cars cost? How much do their tires cost, right? How many tires do they go through? I just started asking all this stuff. Well, both these girls just sort of sit there squirming and they go, well, they haven't actually done it yet. They just think about doing it and they watch videos of people doing it. Here I am totally confused that I thought they were actually drifting but they're just into drifting as kind of passive spectators and they sort of make threats to become real drifters. So I feel this distinction and this definite letdown in a situation like this. But I've been told by other people that this is completely normal to sort of only exist in the present, sort of championing other things through spectatorship and that becomes your identity. It's not the doing of something, it's you choose which is the coolest hobby to like and you watch videos of it. So in my mind, this creates this really bizarre sort of schism. And, and it's not that like cheering or geeking out on something is bad. Uh, but I would think you would want to use it as a platform for inspiration and for some sort of action in the real world. But this sort of reluctance to engage in the real world in favor of living in a fantasy or some sort of passive absorption seems to be a path towards nothing. Being a reflection of the fantasies that surround you I consider that kind of a clone town, really. It's it's totally non-unique. And given what we've, you know, learned about entertainment's impact on the mind, television's impact on the mind, and how it actually functions less when you're watching television than when you're just, like, staring at a blank painting, I mean, literally, your brain functions less watching television than staring at a blank wall. 
so say you're looking at a Rothko painting or a color field thing. Well, there is this potential for the boringness of your mind to kick your brain into gear and you actually have some unique thoughts, right? And this is moving from this sort of passive entertainment life back into a contemplative life. And that's got to be better than being passive. But what could really be great is to also move back into the active life, right? To go out and actually build something, to do something.